Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today, we are talking about how to escape a creepy conversation before it becomes sexting or something inappropriate. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody online that starts to feel uncomfortable or icky or gross? Or maybe the conversation begins to feel provocative and seductive and a little bit sexually exciting. Many of us do not know how to protect ourselves from those situations because we've never been taught and we need to know so that we can stay safe and keep others safe too. When you're online searching for help to outgrow porn, especially if you're connecting with other men who are on that same journey, at some point you will probably meet someone who wants to chat with you in a way that starts to feel concerning. Here's one example. After I spoke at a workshop primarily for men who experience same-sex attraction, somebody reached out to me saying, hey, I saw you're doing this workshop and wanted to chat. He then sent me a wonderful, long Google document that was full of mental health resources about all kinds of topics. And I said, wow, this is wonderful. And he replied back to me, just like you, kissy winky face. When I received that message, something felt off and I wasn't fully sure why, but in my gut, I knew This is starting to make me feel uncomfortable. What do you do in those situations? How do you know if a conversation is starting to become unsafe? What are the warning signs? And how can you protect yourself and others? That's what you will learn today in this episode of Husband Material. I feel extremely qualified to talk about this topic because for the past three years, it has been my job to protect you guys, to protect the Husband Material community from men who have a pattern of using porn recovery as a pretense to find other men who they can target for sexting. We do have a boundary on our community that if you sexually act out with another member, then you will be removed in order to protect everybody. Sometimes men come into porn recovery ministries with a part of them that wants to be well, that wants to get healthy, and that wants to help others, and another part of them that feels drawn toward potentially sexting or acting out with the men that they meet in these communities. Sadly, over the years, we have had to remove dozens of men, including professional coaches and professional counselors. So just because someone's a coach or a counselor does not mean that person is safe. And it does not mean that person is not struggling with sexting or with conversations that can become icky or inappropriate. So you really need to learn how to recognize the warning signs and how to protect yourself and others too. And when you do this, it is not cowardly. It is not weak. It is brave and kind to tell the truth, to report what's going on so that everyone can heal and grow. We are here to outgrow porn. And I think this is a really important part of that journey. So let's start with the warning signs. 
How do you know if a conversation is becoming creepy or inappropriate? The number one warning sign is your body. Your body has an internal alarm system that we usually call your gut. When you feel that something is off in your gut, you may not know why cognitively. You may not even have a clear emotional reaction, but your gut is telling you something. Our gut is like our second brain. It has an intelligence all of its own. And when you feel that nudge or that twinge or that slight sensation that something is not right here, don't ignore that. Pay attention to that. Now, you probably won't know what your gut is trying to tell you right away, which is why it might take some time to journal, talk to a friend, report the situation to a leader, and process it so that you can figure out what you're feeling. And here are some of the warning signs I have discovered that my body immediately reacts to because I have seen that some of these dynamics are usually a clue that this conversation is becoming creepy. Here's clue number one. If a stranger or someone you've never talked to before sends you a private direct message saying, hey, like one word, that's a warning sign. Oftentimes, this little hey or hi, how are you doing is a way of trying to hook you. Some of these guys who have inappropriate intentions know that if they can get you to respond, even to a really simple small message, then they have a much higher likelihood of starting a longer conversation with you than if they sent you a paragraph. Other times, guys are just not aware that this is a pattern for them that they are subconsciously using to move towards sexually acting out. And by talking with some of these guys who say they have innocent intentions or, you know, by all appearances, really do seem to be just wanting to talk, oftentimes you'll find out that they have a history of inappropriate sexual conversations with other men. This is a pattern I've seen. It's not the rule. It is something you need to be aware of. And from my perspective, when I get a message like that, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it to engage knowing that there's a strong possibility that this could become creepy or even be a prelude to sexting. So watch out for that one word chat message from somebody you've never heard of before. Here are some other clues that I have learned to watch out for. One is extreme speed. If a conversation with someone online feels like it's going too deep, too fast, and it's uncomfortable, that's a warning sign. Another big warning sign is if somebody asks for a photo of you, especially if they're asking for a photo of your full body. That is definitely a huge warning sign. And I would caution you against sharing full body photos with somebody, especially who you don't know that well, right? If some of these warning signs are all happening together, then it is highly likely that this conversation is really going in a bad direction. When you are in a conversation that feels like it's becoming creepy or sexually inappropriate, here's what you can do. Four recommendations. Number one, express discomfort. Number two, remove yourself from the conversation. Number three, report it. And number four, ask a friend. Let's start with number one, express discomfort. 
simply tell the other person, hey, a part of me is feeling uncomfortable with what you just said or with this question or with the way this conversation is going and notice how the other person responds. If they respond with empathy, oh, it makes sense that you would feel that way. If they respond with apology, I'm so sorry, I take ownership of how I affected you. Then it may be that this was an innocent, unintentional, and healthy conflict that you can resolve on your own. However, most people, I find, respond with some version of DARVO, D-A-R-V-O. This is a term that's becoming more popular to describe a very predictable pattern that abusers have in relationships. DARVO stands for denial, avoidance, and reversal of victim and offender. So if the person responds to you by denying that there's a problem, maybe avoiding it or trying to not talk about it and just move on to something else, or they start to take on the role of the victim as if you're hurting them, that is usually evidence that this is really not a safe person to talk to. And if someone ever expresses discomfort to you in a conversation, later in this episode, I'll tell you how you can respond to that person in a way that is helpful and that doesn't give off the vibe that you could be trying to abuse them. If someone responds to me with Darvo, that's evidence to me that this is not a person I want to continue to talk with. And even if the conversation never got to an inappropriate level, it's telling me that they've got some issues here that need to be dealt with. And even if you don't express discomfort to the person, if something is clearly inappropriate or you really don't feel safe, you can always simply remove yourself, step away from the conversation, Block the person. Remove the person. Expressing discomfort to someone is appropriate when there's a context of relationship and friendship that's building. But actually, when you're talking to a stranger, you have no responsibility to express discomfort. You can simply remove yourself. And this is my best advice for how to escape a creepy conversation. My friend, there is no obligation to communicate with someone who feels unsafe to you, period. And if you feel unsafe or uncomfortable in a conversation with somebody within husband material or with another member of our community, please report it. Tell me or tell our director of care and support. And if you're not sure if this is reportable, talk to a friend, get a second opinion. Oftentimes other people can see what's going on clearer than we can. Because when I receive a message that feels uncomfortable or creepy to me, my brain goes to mush. (laughs) Like literally in our brains, you might shut down. We often have limited cognitive function when we are confronted with a threat or a perceived threat. So talking to a friend is a great idea to regulate, to keep yourself safe, to process what's happening, and possibly to re-engage with that person or not. Many of you already know these things. You know the importance of expressing discomfort in a relationship when you feel conflict, removing yourself, reporting a situation, and asking a friend. But here are the common reasons in the moment why we don't 
report people and why we don't reach out to people. Gentlemen, I am still growing in this area. And as I talk about the common reasons why we don't do these things, each one of them is something that I'm learning, that I am growing in. Here is why we often don't escape from a creepy conversation or from a person who is beginning to be sexually inappropriate. Denial, guilt, pity, pride, and ministry. Denial is when we think to ourselves, oh, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, they were saying some things that were not really okay, but it wasn't that bad. That's denial. That's minimizing. Denial makes it really easy to just move on. Don't think about it. Avoid it. Ignore it. But this is not kind to ourselves or to others. Another common reason why we won't report someone is guilt. The thought and the feeling that, well, I don't want to hurt this person. Maybe you might think, I don't want to report this person. He really needs this community. He needs recovery. I don't want him to get kicked out. Now, just because you report someone doesn't mean they're going to get kicked out necessarily. It just means that you're being honest and communicative and kind in telling the truth about your experience and what's happening. You're doing the right thing when you talk about it. Remember, sexual addiction thrives on secrecy. Healing and recovery thrives on vulnerability and honesty. Sometimes we don't tell the other person how we're feeling because we don't want to hurt them. Well, the truth is you're allowed to have your feelings and your feelings are not hurting someone. If you're simply opening up about your experience, that's kindness. That's good. Honesty heals. Secrecy kills. Another reason why sometimes we don't separate ourselves from people who are not good for us is because we think, oh, but he's so lonely. He doesn't have friends. He doesn't have community. I want to be that person that he needs. And underneath that, there's often a sense of pride. I have been guilty of this. A savior complex where I think that I can rescue somebody and that by becoming friends with me, they're going to be lifted out of the pit of their loneliness. My friends, we are not saviors. We are not heroes. And sometimes the best thing we can do is to set a boundary with someone. Because for some of these guys, no matter how much you hang out with them, no matter how much you talk with them, it's never enough. So there can be a sense of pride thinking, oh, but this person needs me. I can't separate myself from them. I can't remove myself from this conversation. There can also be a subtle twist on that pride that comes out as a motivation to minister to this person. We think, this guy needs Jesus. I can't stop talking to him because he needs Jesus. And while that is true, there is still an element of pride in thinking that he needs you to point him to Jesus. I've seen this again and again. When somebody receives a sexually inappropriate message, instead of removing themselves or reporting it, they think, here's my chance to point this person to Jesus. And while it is somewhat flattering to have somebody come to you in their need or to think that you're attractive or to want to sexually act out with you, my friend, it is not your responsibility to point that person to Jesus. Let someone else do that. 
Keep yourself safe. Protect yourself. That's kind to you and it's kind to them. Here's one of the biggest lessons I have learned in my 12 years of sexual recovery ministry. You cannot teach someone what they don't want to learn. You cannot teach someone what they don't want to learn. When somebody wants to sexually act out with you, they might use your attempt to minister to them as a way of getting more of you, taking more of your attention, getting more into relationship with you, and trying to reel you in. It's a way that you can be easily taken advantage of. And I want to spare you from this because it's happened to me too many times. And if you ever wonder what happens when I report someone to Drew or to another leader at Husband Material, let me tell you exactly how we handle it. We respond to every situation with curiosity and compassion for both sides of the story. We'll reach out to the person who reported it and to the person who was reported and learn what did they experience, empathize, enter in with kindness, and then we provide both of you with emotional support and guidance. Then after we've learned more, we decide if removal from the community is necessary. This allows us to not only protect you or the individuals who were involved in that conversation, but the rest of the community as well. Because oftentimes you might not know that somebody who is chatting with you in a way that's starting to feel uncomfortable is doing that exact same thing with multiple other people. And when you report that person, you're not just protecting yourself, you're protecting all of these other guys who could possibly be harmed. So when you report someone, you're not being mean, you're being brave and kind. And if someone reports you, here's my best advice. Don't become defensive because that's falling into the pattern of Darvo and you do not want to be perceived as an abuser. Validate the person's experience. Own your impact. A lot of times we own our intentions and say, oh, I didn't mean to do that. I wasn't trying to be inappropriate. That's owning your intentions. It's a lot more effective to own your impact. I have had to do this multiple times. For example, at one of our husband material retreats where we had a dance party on a boat, I was trying to force someone to get out of his seat and dance with me. And he felt violated by that. So I needed to own my impact and say, hey, I realize that what I did was not okay. And it makes a lot of sense that you felt violated, that you were not respected. I didn't honor your boundary and that's on me. I'm so sorry. That's a lot different than saying, oh, I didn't mean to hurt you or I'm sorry you felt that way. That's not owning your impact. When someone expresses discomfort to us or reports us, it is a gift to us. So rather than become defensive, let's validate their experience, own the impact and learn from it. That's what we're doing at Husband Material in our community. We are learning and growing in curiosity and compassion and courage and connection while maintaining safety and helping each other outgrow porn and helping each other stay safe from sexting and from sexually inappropriate conversations. Even if you don't struggle with this personally, you're probably going to encounter it if you haven't already. And I hope that you're getting some skills and tools that you can use the next time 
you're in a creepy conversation. You want to know how I respond to some real life situations? Let me tell you how I handled it when I received that kissy winky face emoji from a stranger after this workshop on same-sex attraction. First of all, I expressed discomfort and I got hit with Darvo. This guy felt really offended that I was uncomfortable and spoke up about it. So that told me he is actually not the kind of person who I want to keep getting to know. So I didn't talk to him, kept processing it. And I realized that after he sent me this wonderful list of mental health resources, and I said, this is wonderful. And he said, just like you, kissy winky face, that to me, that actually felt like a pickup line. And giving some wonderful resource package that he knew I would appreciate as a professional coach and someone who's helping others would be a perfect way to get into my heart. It is very possible that he was grooming me, that he was seducing me, and that after I said I was uncomfortable, that he was gaslighting me. We need to be aware of these patterns. Later on, this guy apologized to me, yet after I was reflecting on these experiences and putting language to what was happening and how I really felt, I still decided in the end to block him because there's no obligation there. For some reason, it's easier for us to have boundaries and separation for people in person than it is online. Like if you're walking down the sidewalk and a stranger starts talking to you and it begins to feel uncomfortable or inappropriate, I think most of us are more likely to put up a boundary there and to just keep going and not feel guilty than if somebody privately messages you. Because it's essentially the same thing, right? It's a stranger approaching you, but in the context of this online private conversation, starts to feel uncomfortable, we tend to be less likely to feel like it's okay to just say, no, thank you, and keep going. So as you're walking down the digital sidewalk of your different online communities, just treat people the same way you would treat people who you're meeting in real life. It's okay to not have a relationship with somebody. It's okay to not want to be friends with somebody. And that's true in person, just like it's true online. Here's a real life story where I had to take more extreme actions to protect myself. When you join the husband material community, you receive a 21 day email course to help you outgrow porn. And throughout that course, I invite you guys to respond to me, to send me emails, tell me your story, ask me your questions. And I love responding. Well, one guy was telling me his story about his childhood, his trauma, his sexual development, his sexual attractions, and telling me that it means so much to him when I say, you are God's beloved son, and in you he is well pleased. And then in the next email to me, his one question was, are you hairy? And how cut or uncut are you? He's asking me about my body. And then in the next email to me, he said, I wish... I could cuddle with you naked, not sexual, just intimate. He said, it's not sexual. It's just intimacy between brothers. After reading these emails, I could not respond to this guy. I did not feel safe at all. So I asked 
Henry Brown, our director of care and support, to respond to him for me. This was significant enough that I blocked him and we ended up removing him from the community. He sent me a scathing email saying, I opened up to you and you're too cowardly to respond to me yourself. I told you these deep secrets and now you're shaming me. You must be a fraud because you tell people that they're God's beloved son. Then you respond this way. That's a great example of Darvo denying and avoiding his actions and then reversing the role of victim and offender to make it seem like I am shaming him. Now, I ended up responding to him after that once I felt safe. He's still out of the community, and I hope that he's able to find the help that he needs somewhere else. On the one hand, I feel so much compassion for this man who's wounded, who's struggling, who's drowning in shame. And at the same time, I have to have the humility and wisdom to disengage in a respectful, kind way, because this is not safe. This is not good for us to be in this conversation. And it really, really bothered me. I had nightmares. When men misuse our community and undermine our mission, it grieves me deeply. This is supposed to be a place where we are changing our brains, healing our hearts, and saving our relationships. We are becoming emotionally and sexually mature men of God. And part of that means learning how to escape from a creepy conversation that's becoming sexually inappropriate. The reality is many of the men we meet online in any recovery community are not in a healthy place. That's why we're all seeking recovery. Most of us are learning how to have healthy boundaries Some of us are specifically struggling with sexting, and a few of us, myself included, are unaware of how we are negatively affecting others. And we need to be told. We need to be challenged. We need to be reported for our good. So here is how to escape a creepy conversation before it becomes sexting or otherwise inappropriate. Listen to your body. Trust your gut. Express discomfort. Remove yourself if necessary. Please tell a leader. And if you're not sure, ask a friend for an outside perspective. And remember that you are worth protecting. It is important for you to be safe because you are God's beloved son. And in you, he is well pleased. Well,